On today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, we visit with a certified fitness professional who specializes in human movement and performance issues, focusing on mobility, flexibility, core strength, and power while reducing the incidence of injury. Joining me in our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast producer, Alex Soroka, is Eric Ridings. He will be our guest, but first, you know, GRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to grfortho.org to learn more. Sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. This episode also brought to you by Karen Malkin's new protein bar, brownie bar and superfood bars. Best tasting bars on the market, certified gluten-free, paleo, no added sugar, Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars, available on Amazon and at KarenMulkin.com. So we bring on our guest, Eric Ridings, and uh, to set this up, uh, along with you, Alex Soroka, my producer and uh, helper here, um, Eric has been uh, very influential in my recovery from shoulder surgery, which Dr. Brian Cole performed on me Um February of 2019, you know, I went to a couple of uh, physical therapy places and they got me to a certain point. And then uh, I heard about Eric through a friend of a friend and I said, you know what, I've got to try it because I got to get better. And I'll let Eric explain um, what he did for me and what we're doing currently. But he is, I swear by him, he is phenomenal. Um, The best I've been to and uh, really helping me because I love the game of golf and I want to be able to play catch you know, with my boys and uh, do some things at my age still, but I was limited because of the shoulder surgery. So let's bring in uh, Eric Ridings. And uh, Eric, um, give us a quick little background of uh, how you got involved with this and um, uh, also what makes you different because I have found you different than the other physical therapists and massage people and uh, everything you do. How are sure. you? I'm good. How you doing? Uh, first off, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys uh, making the time for me to come on the show today. Um, to give you a little bit of background on myself, I have a degree in exercise science and I have a clinical massage therapy certification. So basically what that means is, uh, you know, I've got the ability to do both the kind of training side of things, but also like you were saying, um, the, the, the bridge of the gap between uh, the end of a physical therapy program and strength conditioning. So Typically, when a client comes in, especially if it's post-surgery, like in your case, or if it's just somebody who had a minor injury and they're just coming out of a physical therapy program, my job is typically to, like I said, bridge that gap between uh, pain-free movement, which is kind of what physical therapy gets you to do, is just kind of be able to walk around and do your daily tasks uh, pain-free, and to then get them to a point where they can actually perform uh, significantly better. So, you know, for instance, your case where uh, post-surgery, significant surgery uh, to the shoulder, uh, with your desire to play golf, uh, you know, we had to uh, start to work in more extreme ranges of motion because it's just what's required uh, of the game of golf. So, uh, you know, doing soft tissue work, st- shoulder stability work, core stability work, all these things are uh, things that you can build on post-physical therapy to create a more athletic, durable uh, longevity based, uh, body. So that's really the focus, uh, of what I do, uh, and kind of how I, uh, operate my sessions with my clients. 
Eric, uh, take us through what you first do, because I know you offered me like a complimentary 16-point, mm-hmm. was it, um, assessment at right. Mobility so, Work Chicago, where you work, and that's your website right. as well, Mobility Work Chicago. So um, uh, talk about how it starts from there, because you gain a lot of knowledge uh, from that um, session, yeah. don't you? Yeah, so these, there's two versions of a physical assessment. The first one is called the functional movement screen, and that's just kind of for general movement. So uh, it's just seven movements, but it's kind of the base level movement patterns that everyone will have to go through, squat, lunge, overhead, uh, press position, uh, shoulder mobility, things like that. But for you, what we did, and for what I would do with every golfer, is to do the Titleist Performance Institute uh, uh, assessment, which is a 16-point assessment. And it basically goes through all of the positions that a golfer will be in at some point, and it highlights uh, you know, where they're limited and to what degree they're limited so that it creates a roadmap for you as the practitioner uh, as to how to set up a program for that person. So if they have, for instance, again, uh, let's say limited uh, thoracic rotation, very commonly, if something shows up like that in the assessment, it'll typically show up as a swing characteristic as well. So let's say, you know, oh, I'm slicing the ball for, you know, whatever reason. If we do the assessment, we see that you have a physical limitation we can usually link one uh, one limitation to one swing characteristic. And like I said, that creates this very uh, clear and measurable um, program for that individual. And then Eric, I do want to mention, uh, Eric Ridings is also, you mentioned Titleist. He's a TPI, which stands for Titleist Performance Institute, level two fitness coach, a Titleist Performance Institute certified power coach, and of course, a clinical massage therapist, also functional range conditioning, mobility specialist, certified kin stretch instructor, and Graston certified soft tissue therapist. So take me back to TPI, Titleist Performance Institute. A lot of people, obviously golfers, you know, even if you're not playing golf, you heard the word Titleist, the brand, and uh, some of the best golf equipment in the world. Um, and uh, what is TPI? How did they get involved with um, what you do and um, with uh, with human movement? So Titleist has done an amazing job at setting up essentially their own strength and conditioning program. And it takes you from that 16 point assessment, basically figuring out kind of what you're working with from player to player or golfer to golfer, all the way to club head speed training, power training, right? So uh, they have a series of weekend long courses, very, very intense as far as, you know, their long durations, like 10, 12 hours a day, tons and tons of great information. And, but like I said, it takes you all the way from being able to assess somebody to creating a more fit uh, golf body to then creating an, a powerful athlete, something more along the lines of like an actual strength conditioning uh, program that you might see in a college uh, somewhere. Definitely something the pros are using. So uh, in 2015, I did the initial certification, which is just the assessment part where you just learn to put people through that 16-point assessment. And since then, I've slowly uh, gone through the other portions of the program, which are, like I said, the fitness level two and then the power training course as well. And it again, with all three of those certifications, you have such a clear roadmap as to how to work with any particular golfer. So if they come in, you do the assessment, you see exactly what you need to work on from a limitation standpoint, but the things that they do well, you can train that, that area, right? So if somebody comes in and they, you know, for instance, have no limitation in their hip hinge or deadlift pattern, you can train that stuff hard, but then if they have a limitation, like I was saying earlier, like thoracic rotation, 
that's an area then you would try to work on developing that skill before training it in a strength conditioning fashion. So it really just covers all the bases, everything from, you know, full spectrum, I would say, right? So everything from limitations to high intensity power training and everything in between. And Eric, talk about the people that you work with, okay? Who who wants to come see an Eric Ridings? I came, obviously, f- following surgery, and uh, you've been kind of a miracle worker for me, taking me to a level that I never thought I would get to. Um, but then, again, I see people that are you know junior golfers seeing you mm-hmm. who maybe don't have an injury but want to get to right. another level. Um, it's yeah. not just people with injury, as you kind of mentioned here in this podcast, but to talk about the spectrum of people. And then you told me about what an 82, 83 year old couple that come in mm-hmm. and they just, they're looking for life longevity, right? And right. Uh, maybe they had surgeries in the past, but um, that, that's a great story as well. So share some of those things if you will. Yeah. So, you know, I, I work with a really broad spectrum of individuals. I mean, I love working with the golfers because, you know, working a lot with, with anything sports specific is exciting and everything, but I have a ton of clients that are just kind of, uh, they're they're looking for longevity training, right? They want to be more mobile, more stable so that they can do the activities that they like to do for longer and longer. So that the clients that you brought up just a moment ago, um, they're a husband and wife, uh, 82 and 80 years old. And I, they are unbelievable in what they still do both mentally and physically, but because they've, they've stayed on a program, I've been extremely consistent with it uh, as far as mobility training, core training, things like that. They're able to do uh, things that people 30 years younger than them may not be able to do. Mountain bike, mountain climb. Uh, they travel you know, the world still consistently. So uh, the thing that I, I, I always like to, the way I like to frame it is you want to move well as a human first, right? You want to take all the uh, capability that the body has and maximize that. And then you can apply that to sport if necessary. But even if you're just walking around the city or walking around town or whatever it is, you want to make sure that if you have to adjust to any particular stimulus. So, uh, one example I love to give is like, if you were to like slip on ice in the winter, if you're extremely tight, the likelihood of an injury from that is much, much higher. But if you're somebody who's consistently moving within the full range of motion that your body's capable of doing, the likelihood is is less just because your body is capable of moving in and out of, of positions as well as uh, absorbing force more efficiently. So we always try to uh, think of that as the base, right? Base human movement, quality mo- human movement, full range of motion. And then if, if, you know, that kind of prerequisite is reached, then, you know, you can start to apply it to sports specific stuff, whether it's golf, uh, it could be marathon running. Uh, all of these things require a certain level of flexibility, balance. Uh, and what I mean by balance is like symmetry within the body, left to right, forward to back, rotationally. You have to have all, all of these prerequisite uh, uh, movement capabilities before you can do something as high intensity as you know sports-specific training. Eric, so I think that we, uh, we live in a world now where uh, there's this information overload. You can scroll Instagram and social media, and there's there's a million fitness <laughs> accounts and all of oh those gosh. things. 
how often I'm curious, do clients, you know, in an initial meeting with you say, you know, I've done this, I've tried this, and you have to sort of reiterate to them that although there are some basic mechanics and, you know, movement patterns and those types of things that we are all unique from the way that we sit and move every day. Mm -hmm. And so there really is um, a level of customization that needs to be, you know, a customized approach that needs to uh, happen when it comes to um, your field. Uh, Because I think sometimes people think that, they may be able to work with somebody like you for a short period of time and then just, you know, go back to doing, um, again, the cookie cutter stuff that they may see somebody post like, hey, do this for your hip mobility. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe your hip mobility is tied to um, a variety of other things that, you know, person A, B, C, D, it's different. So um, talk a little bit about the customization, maybe the information overload that we Mm -hmm. get and how we as sort of the general public uh, can make sense of that and how we know to approach training. Well, that's where the assessment process is so vital, right? If you're able to assess somebody from like a postural standpoint and then a movement standpoint, you can get a very clear picture of what that individual needs. And I'm not even talking just sports specific, but let's just say chronic pain, right? If somebody's got, you know, low back pain, which is so, so common, it's a huge industry. Um, If you can do a proper assessment and if you can identify, you know, how some of their lifestyle factors have affected them. Uh, such as, you know, if they sit in one position with one leg crossed over another, if they carry a heavy bag on just one side, if they stand on their right leg significantly more than they stand on their left, it creates these patterns uh, that shift posture, that shift balance, tension throughout the body. But then over time, that's what starts to break down. That's the source of, you know, shoulder pain or something like that. So uh, to make things very specific, you've got to be able to notice those things. You've got to be able to ask the right questions. Uh, you've got to know details about this person's life, what they do, when do they do it, how do they do it, uh, be able to assess them properly. And then like, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, you can create a very specific roadmap uh, for them. And then, you know, as far as uh, going into a session with somebody like myself and then going back to doing their own workouts, uh, that's an opportunity for a coach or a trainer to, uh, you, you almost have to teach your clients what you're doing and why, you know what I mean? Don't just run them through the program, but start to teach them the reason we do what we do is because of this. And the reason you do this specifically is because of the, the influence or the input that you've been putting in for five, 10, 20, 30 years. So it's, it's a process of, you know, being able to assess properly, but then also being able to communicate what you saw why you're doing what you're doing so that people don't leave the gym saying, yeah, I felt better, but I'm not really sure why or, or how. Um, so does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I think I get that definitely. And then sort of a, a, to piggyback off of that question, how do you approach nutrition? Um, I'm one of those people that doesn't, you know, I have a protein shake here and there, but aside from just understanding that, I, you know, protein is a, a macronutrient that I need, I, I don't take a whole lot of supplements, but I think that's just because I don't understand them. So is this something where clients ask you, you know, what should I be taking, especially if you have a client who's maybe in their 40s or 50s and they may be, you know, not getting enough nutrition through daily diet? I mean, how do you approach that? Because we all know how important nutrition is to recovery. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Uh, That's a great question. And I always approach this uh, nutrition idea in, in one of two ways. I always assess somebody's sleep patterns and their hydration patterns first because there's such a direct link between uh, not just poor, you know, uh, decision making, but poor nutritional decision making when somebody is 
underslept and dehydrated. It's just one of those things where you just fatigue to the point where you're not going to take the extra steps of going to buy whole foods, going to going through the process of making them or preparing them. Um, so when I approach anybody's nutritional strategy, that's where I look to first. And then after that, you know, you have to get a detailed um, assessment of what they're currently eating and try to then make adjustments to that or, or just evaluate where it is there. Uh, so, you know, if we're talking, if you're asking like, um, how do I get them to eat more uh, protein or just how do I make adjustments to their current diet? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that you've got to kind of take their current lifestyle and start to make adjustments to it. Because if you start to do the, that old trainer thing where it's like, hey, just eat chicken and broccoli all day long, uh, the likelihood is that they're just not going to stick with it. So, um, again, addressing hydration and sleep first. Uh, and then starting to look at what they're currently eating and create better patterns off of what they're already doing, right? I mean, obviously, if they're, you know, hammering down McDonald's cheeseburgers every day, it's going to be a much more of an adjustment, but it's got to be gradual because otherwise, you know, uh, at, whether that's an athlete uh, or just kind of my off the street, uh, just general movement clients, it's it's got to be something that they can stick to and they're not going to stick to it if they hate it. So there's much more of a, like a psychological like uh, base for it, if if that makes sense. But there's no there's no um, there's no magic like you see these things like hydroxycut and all these things. That's marketing. No, that's my. Right? It is, and it's it is, and it's. I, I can't. I, you know, there there's no way that that stuff is a long term uh, approach, and that's what it's got to be. You know, you've almost got to get into a point of being an autopilot in a good in uh, with good nutrition. Um, so. Those habits take time. Bad habits are, take time to break, and good habits take time to implement. But if you can create roadblocks for the bad habits and set yourself up to easily create or start to create better habits, that's when things start to fall into place. But people get uh, they get burnt out on it because it doesn't happen overnight, and we're all impatient to a certain extent. Um, but I've got a couple of clients that have had a lot of great success over a three to five year period because again, it's like these habits are so hard to break or so hard to implement, or you just really don't like doing something or really love doing something at first to the point where it's just challenging to make these shifts. Uh, in, in whether it's your, it could be your personality, uh, you know, the way you approach things, it could be the, the people you surround yourself with. So there's, there's so many factors as to how to approach nutrition, but, um, to be able to get people to eat or I'm sorry, to sleep well, hydrate well, and then eat more actual whole foods, things you can kind of find in nature. That's, in my opinion, some of the bedrock stuff that you've got to be able to do uh, to get somebody to uh, start to improve their nutrition. And obviously, then from there, you can start to pick and choose actual foods, recipes, and things like that. But, you know, if you if you don't have those underlying factors, a lot of it's going to fall apart at some point. So... Eric, I want to ask you about um, the effectiveness and how you incorporate deep tissue massage therapy, Graston ter uh, technique therapy, and uh, what cupping therapy is. 
But first, a couple more words from our sponsors. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush has something you can't find anywhere else. The number one ranked orthopedic and spine care in Illinois. When it comes to diagnosing and addressing your pain, their team of orthopedic providers is focused on giving you the most effective treatments to help you feel and function better. And with access to their orthopedic and spine experts conveniently located in six Chicagoland area locations, easier than ever to get you back to leading a full active life. Visit RushOrtho.com to learn more and to find a specialist. And Vericell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit vcellvcel.com. Again, Steve Castle and Alex Soroka visiting with Eric Ridings, a certified professional who... Uh, really does a great job with fitness and human movement and performance issues. So, um, Eric, um, before we wrap it up, tell us a little bit about um, the effectiveness of deep tissue massage therapy, what Graston technique therapy and cupping therapy is. And I know I'm going to specifics here, and I don't mind sharing my story because usually with my hour sessions that I do with you that we do weekly, um, you get in there and we begin on the, on the massage table. And um, it, it, it's a little painful. Sometimes you don't, Eric, Eric, you know. It's, <laughs> but but it's it's so effective because I feel so good afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you're building to something bigger for me, aren't you? Definitely. So uh, starting off, you know, with uh, deep tissue work, what we try to do is, you know, again, using that assessment process, identify uh, where your limitations are. But what we do is we basically take the tissue, uh, work along the fiber direction pressing into that tissue, uh, what we're trying to do is, is decrease what's called neural tone, right? A neurological signal from your brain to that tissue to say on or clinched, right? Um, and that is the kind of stuff that will really limit uh, a quality movement. So when we press in, like I said, along that fiber direction, you get a bit of a pain response as you've enjoyed so many times. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a necessary evil because it allows, like I said, that the pain response is a response to the displacement of that tissue, to moving it out of its normal positioning. But if we can get that tissue to relax and release a little bit, we can then train you in that last little bit of range of motion that we just developed by doing that, right? So that's the general uh, kind of technique with, with deep tissue massage. And then Graston and cupping are additional tools that aren't right for everybody. You definitely have to figure out, you know, what's uh, the best uh, uh, client for that particular modality. But Graston therapy is a therapy in which uh, you use metal tools that are blunt, but have an edge to them. But the idea is to run them along, again, fiber direction, more along the lines of the connective tissue uh, to then realign some of these muscle fibers. So you hear all the time about scar tissue as being a potential limiting factor in movement. Um, so that would be more specific to like a scar around a surgery um, or, you know, any sort of significant damage to the skin. But if you, over, over time, that those, those collagen fibers and uh, some of the connective tissue can be realigned using these Graston tools. So it's another way of allowing the tissue to kind of slide amongst itself a little bit more efficiently by kind of removing, um, you know, a, a little bit of a uh, snag in the tissue, uh, if that makes sense. So um, on top of that, cupping is more of like a blood flow type of modality. Whereas if I were to do deep, t- deep tissue on you and we really knew that like there's a specific area we wanted to target, a very like uh, condensed area, 
we could use the cupping to then not only raise the tissue, kind of separate it from itself, and just again, use it to create space in the joint to allow further quality movement. But it also is just so effective at bringing blood flow to the area. I mean, you've seen people look like they got attacked by an octopus before. And that's the reason why is because it just brings so much blood flow to that area. So it helps with just, uh, you know, bringing some of the healthier parts of the blood flow as far as repair is concerned, as well as getting rid of some of the metabolic waste that comes from uh, exercise, soft tissue work, things along those lines. But again, you know, you start with, definitely with the soft tissue work. I think most people, like 99% of people would benefit from that. And then you, you have to be smart about how you pick and choose which one you're going to use as far as your different modalities are concerned. But all of them are um, prerequisites to movement, right? So if you just do the soft tissue work and then just walk out of the room, it's not nearly as effective, if at all, um, unless it's unless it's coupled with quality movement training afterwards, right? So you set yourself up for better movement with the soft tissue work and with some of those other modalities, and then you have to move into and out of some of these new ranges uh, that you've just developed while on the table or um, you know being you know scraped or uh, or, or or suction cupped. So. Um, yeah, like I said, you just have to figure out uh, who's the right person for, for which one of those modalities. So um, I have a quick question about functional range conditioning, sure. um, those types of things. So I've done a little bit of this as a, not as in, in your position, but on the on the reverse end, being in Steve's mm -hmm. position. So um, mobility issues and this idea that it's been sort of articulated to me as, you know, you brush your teeth, you know, multiple times a day, you should brush your joints. Um, so things like cars, uh, mm -hmm. and walking yourself through that and standing up sure. and taking five minutes to take. So for people who are, who may be listening, who don't quite know what that is, like cars, um, sort of give a, give an overview of what we're talking about. And I, I do like the way that it's explained, you know, when you're, when you're a toddler, when you're very, very little, you can drop into a perfect squat. Um, you know, usually because we, we grow up and are born with the, those full ranges of motion. And then as we age and we limit ourselves and we sit in chairs and cars and those things, and we don't get into those ranges, it's almost as if the body is protecting us because it feels like it's in danger if it gets into those positions. Definitely. So go through that and walk the listeners, our listeners through what we're talking about here and how we're trying to sort of reverse that, not, not reverse, you know, aging, but reverse um, the limitations of movement that we get with time. Right. So the, the example that I love to give is if you've ever taken a stats class, you know what a bell curve looks like, right? And so the last little bit, bits of a bell curve, I always compare those to like your more extreme ranges of motion. Your body and your brain will tend to forget those more extreme ranges of motion. Essentially, it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So if I never reach overhead, if I never try to put my hand over my head, if I never, it doesn't matter if, if I'm grabbing a cup or if I'm, you know, pressing a barbell overhead. If you just stop doing that stuff because life doesn't require you to do it, you will lose the ability to do it. So what functional range conditioning does is it's, it's a program, you know, kind of like a conceptual idea really to put you into a stretch position, allow the tissue to relax and release, and then to create tension on either side of the joints therefore teaching your brain how to work back into that angle, right? And it takes time, right? So if, you, if you're looking to, like you mentioned earlier, a deep squat, if you, again, go through an assessment process, see which tissues are the most limited, you can go through a program that, and this is where I integrate uh, functional range conditioning into my practice, where I will use the soft tissue work to decrease that neural tone, like I was talking about earlier, and then have somebody go into a stretch position with that tissue, 
allow it to relax and release, breathe, get proper breathing mechanics uh, while in that position, and then so, have them flex the tissue on both sides to reestablish so their capabilities. You said something interesting there, the neuro connection. So I think that's another important thing for the listeners to understand is that we think that if we're stretching a particular muscle, um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, that we're you know we're lengthening it. But there's also issues where we, like you said, we need to reestablish the the mind connection because there is a there's a connection to the contraction. We think we want to contract our arm or extend our leg, and then mm-hmm. that happens. But if we're not putting ourselves into those ranges of motion, we're unable to sort of have that connection. So the purpose right. is to to get ourselves into those ranges. And I've been told, you know, hey, after you squat, I should pales rails after I'm done squatting because I want my body to sort of remember mm-hmm. to be in that position. So yep. go a little deeper on the neuro connection for us. Right. So it's a motor control program, right? So what we want to be able to do with all of our clients is to be able to get them to utilize full range of motion by creating tension in that position, right? If I can't create tension in my deep squat, for instance, I'm not going to be able to, I'm certainly not going to be able to control it with weight, but it's going to be something where some of your prime movers tend to actually clinch when you get into your deeper ranges of motion because they're unable to stabilize at any lower range of motion. So it's really, really important to not only get into position, but then function there. And that could be like you were saying with the pails and rails, if you get it into a stretched position and then you can create tension in the tissue on both sides of the joint, uh, it, it helps develop your ability to then function into and out of that position and not lose anything, not lose performance, not lose control, not lose stability. Cause that's really where we see. Uh, some of these breakdowns in performance or even uh, something that leads to injury. It's when somebody's at a, you know, compromising position and they're unable to stabilize in that compromised position. So that's really what uh, I, I feel like uh, functional range conditioning does best is allows people to develop control of a particular joint at a end range of motion, which translates over to better movement in general, safer movement, and certainly more capacity from a strength conditioning standpoint. Eric, great stuff. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, who who comes to see you? How do they get a hold of you? And uh, when are you available? Yeah, so I mean, everybody from, you know, I've got uh, junior golfers that are 16 years old up into, you know, uh, very active individuals that are in their 80s and anybody in between, anybody who's looking to uh, increase their flexibility, increase their mobility, uh, feel a little bit younger and, uh, you know, like Alex was saying earlier, uh, to kind of like to develop their, their joints um, from a movement standpoint, but also a health standpoint. Uh, so you can contact me at eric at mobilityworkschicago.com. You can go to my website, mobilityworkschicago.com, uh, and uh, there's a link to get a hold of me there. And uh, I work out of a facility called Lateral Fitness at 314 West Superior Street in Chicago. And if anybody's interested in coming in, initial sessions are always free. That includes a assessment process like we talked about earlier, as well as a bit of an implementation of whatever program we would start to design there that day. And it's easy access. I, I, I go there uh, weekly and uh, you pull right in front of the door, pay a few dollars for parking uh, right on the street. There's always spots available. So uh, for going downtown, it's uh, easily accessible. Eric, great stuff. Congratulations on what you do. You're a young guy with a great future and uh, already making an impact. So we thank you for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. That's Eric Ridings. And our thanks to Eric's, uh, Alex Soroka, our producer, 
and uh, contributor. My name is Steve Cashel. We hope you enjoyed today's Sports Medicine Weekly episode. Be sure to add the Sports Medicine Weekly podcast to your playlist on Apple and Spotify. Listen in anytime, anyplace. Subscribe to our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast. And new Sports Medicine Weekly podcasts are shared weekly on social media. Again, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And finally, warm weather is here. Time to get outside, enjoy your favorite activities, and spend precious time with family and friends. Aches, pains, or an injury should not be part of the memories you're making. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are there for you with more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland. Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Our thanks once again to Eric Ridings from Mobility Works Chicago, and we'll talk with you next time. 